Welcome to Telling the Truth. Today, Stuart continues the series Thinking Clearly in a Messed Up World, and he'll get started in just a moment. In Stuart Briscoe's insightful six-message series, Thinking Clearly in a Messed Up World, he helps you understand how God's Spirit works to transform you and renew your thoughts no matter what's going on around you. And through your support today, you can help others experience transformation in their lives as well. We'll say thanks for your gift by sending you a copy of Thinking Clearly in a Messed Up World. So call today to request your copy. 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. Here's Stuart with Thinking Clearly about Christians and society on today's Telling the Truth. just get a few more polls and a few more surveys and a few more talk shows, we might be able to figure out this society. Is that the way we go? Or is it that we look into God's Word and we try to discover what He says about the way we conduct ourselves in society? That gives you a little bit of a feel for the tension that exists for many people as they are trying to figure out how they should behave, how they should conduct themselves as members of society. It has never been easy for Christians to know how to conduct themselves in society. One of the reasons that there is this tension, this degree of uncertainty, is that Christianity doesn't always understand society, and there's no question that society very often grievously misunderstands Christianity. Why why would society misunderstand Christianity? Well, I think one reason, of course, is that we give very mixed signals. Sometimes we make very loud professions, but when you come down to examining the performance, there are wide and major discrepancies, and society is not slow at identifying those and criticizing them and commenting about them, and very often simply writing off Christianity as being impractical and hypocritical. I think it would also be true to say that there's a lack of understanding on the part of society as to what Christianity really stands for, what it's really all about. Niebuhr suggests, for instance, that one of the reasons for the tension between Christians and the culture in which they live is that the the culture really doesn't understand what it is that Christians are saying. Christians talk all about this present evil age, and they talk about the wonderful age to come. From the point of view of the secularist, a Christian seems to be somewhat contemptuous of the present and very, very confident about the future. They seem to be oriented towards eternity and less inclined to be taking root in time. Now, if you happen to be somebody who believes that there's only time and that eternity is irrelevant, then, of course, you devote yourself to doing something about people's lot in time you devote yourself to doing something about society. Now, if you come across a Christian who says, hey, listen, man, there's no point building up this wonderful society. The the thing you need to realize is this, it's all going to go up in smoke. There won't be two stones left on top of each other. The heavens and the earth are going to dissolve with fervent heat, and God is going to establish a new kingdom characterized by righteousness and goodness. If you come across a Christian like that and you are purely a secularist, you are thinking purely in terms of now and not in terms of then, you won't understand each other. 
In fact, you may feel that that Christian is copping out. You may feel that that person is grossly irresponsible. Another of the criticisms, of course, that modern culture has of Christians is that Christians are always talking about the grace of God and they don't seem to have much confidence in the ingenuity of man. And so the Christians are thinking in terms of if anything is going to change in this world, it is going to change because people understand the spiritual roots of their problems, whereas the secularist says if anything is going to change, people are going to have to understand the sociological dimensions of their problems. And so there's a tremendous degree of tension, both in understanding what the others are saying and what the problems are and how the solutions are going to be discovered. Another thing that, that the secularists think about Christians very often is that Christians are remarkably intolerant. Now, of course, modern culture prides itself on being phenomenally tolerant, although we have to accept that all tolerance has its limits, which is certainly true about our tolerant modern society. For instance, you probably have noticed that modern society believes that religion is private and does not belong in the public life. So if you want to bring your religious convictions into business, you'll probably be called into the boss and told, keep your religion for Sundays, business is business. Or if you want to bring your Christian principles into your politics, you'll probably be told, politics and religion don't mix. But the Christian, on the other hand, says, if Christ is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. And therefore, if Christ is my Lord, is Lord of my economics, is Lord of my politics, is Lord of my business life, as well as Lord of my worship. And so the tensions begin to develop. People who are secularists look at Christ's teachings, and they're not too excited about a lot of them. Jesus put tremendous emphasis on forgiveness. And they say, why should people be forgiven? Why shouldn't they get what they deserve? They will say to you sometimes, do you really mean to tell me that if Hitler on his deathbed had repented, God would have accepted him in heaven? Where's the justice in that? So they would decry forgiveness and they would look for justice and they would reject the teachings of Christ. We have problems with the teaching of Christ in the eyes of the secularists because Jesus tells us what to do with our anger and he tells us what to do with our anxiety. Then we go to the psychologists and we find that they're telling us something quite different. And so the secular psychologists and the Christian find themselves in great tension. We hear that the Lord Jesus is teaching us that the great wisdom from God is sometimes hidden from the wise, but has been revealed to the babes. The Apostle Paul tells us that it is the foolish who will confound the wise and the educators in the secular world said, who are they kidding? Are they anti-psychology? Are they anti-education? Are they anti-justice? And so we can see how there's misunderstanding on the part of secular society as to what Christians are, what they believe, what they stand for. The Christian very often out in society will feel the sharp edge of this criticism and this rejection. Now, if that was all Christians had to be concerned about in terms of living in society, it would probably be enough. But it isn't all. For not only do Christians have problems relating to secularists in society, Christians have problems with Christians as to how they should behave in society. There is no consensus. One of the reasons for this, of course, is that the Bible says that there are a lot of things that we should do. That's straightforward enough. And the Bible says there are a lot of things that we shouldn't do. That's equally straightforward. 
And in between the two, there's loud silence by the Bible on a number of issues. So there are the must-nots and there are the must-dos, and in between there are the mays and the may-nots. Now, it's in the area of what we could call biblical permissiveness that major areas of disagreement develop. And Christians are often confused as to how they should relate to society as a result. Stuart Briscoe on today's Telling the Truth with more advice on how to think clearly in a messed up world. He'll continue today's message, Thinking Clearly About Christians and Society, in just a moment. Your support helps Telling the Truth reach across the globe to share the love of God and message of Christ with people everywhere. So call today to request your copy of Thinking Clearly in a Messed Up World when you give to help more people experience life in Christ. 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. Now let's go back to Stuart for more about thinking clearly about Christians and society on today's Telling the Truth. Years ago, I was in Germany, in Berlin. It was at the time of the infamous wall dividing East Berlin and West Berlin. And the small church where I was ministering at the time was just a few hundred meters from the wall. After I preached there on the Sunday morning, I had lunch with the pastor and his wife, Klaus and Renata Eikhoff. They served me my lunch, and along with it came a large glass of brown liquid. They saw me looking at this large glass of brown liquid, and the pastor, Klaus Eikhoff, said to me with his limited English, you drink beer? And I wasn't quite sure whether it was a question or a command, the way he said it. And so very hurriedly, I said, oh, no, 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 thank you. Uh, No, I I don't drink beer. And he said, why you not drink beer? Now, I must admit that uh, I have been brought up not to drink beer, and I had never given any thought as to why I shouldn't. And so I was very proud of myself coming up with two reasons not having thought about it before. And I said, for two reasons. Number one, English Christians don't drink beer. And number two, I don't like it. I thought, "Uh uh-uh, now he's going to say, English Christians don't drink beer. You're an English Christian, therefore you haven't drunk beer. How can you possibly know you don't like it? (laughs) Fortunately, he wasn't quick enough, or he was struggling with the language, and I didn't help him. (laughs) He simply said, I am astounded. I am astounded. My relations with Germans in those days, I discovered one of the first English words they learned was astounded. Because Germans are always astounded by the British. (laughs) Astounded. And then he turned to his wife and he says, Renata, wir wollen beten, we will pray. And so she dutifully put down her tankard and clasped her hands in prayer. And he prayed this memorable prayer. I thank you, God. I am German Christian. Amen. Now, I trust you can see the problem. The problem is whether you were raised in English Christianity or whether you were raised in German Christianity as to how you should relate to the beer-drinking segment of society. 
I went from Germany to Sweden on that trip, arrived in the home of a delightful family. I hadn't been in the home more than a few minutes before the husband and father sat me down and said, Stuart, I want you to know I am so happy that my wife and my children have come to faith through your ministry. Thank you very much for all that you and your colleagues have done for my family. And I said, well, it's it's our pleasure, and I'm so happy to meet you. I said, are you a believer yourself? And he said, no, I'm not. And I said, what is the reason for you not being a believer? And, And he said, in Sweden, you cannot be a Christian and smoke, and I'm a chain smoker, and I'm addicted to nicotine. I cannot break the habit, and so I can never be a Christian. Well, that was a new approach, and, and so I spent a lot of time talking with him. In fact, I stayed for, I think, a week, and every night we had long discussions about spiritual realities. But at the end of the week, I left with him being absolutely unshakable in his position. In Sweden, you cannot be a Christian and smoke. He was addicted to nicotine. He couldn't break the habit. Therefore, in his understanding, he could not be a Christian. That was Swedish Christianity as opposed to German or British Christianity. So here's the problem. How are we going to think straight about relating to society if we are misunderstanding society and society is mistrusting us and Christians are not agreed in areas where the Bible is silent? And on top of that, very often in our own hearts, and our own consciences, we are torn as well. Because there are some things that we know that we really want to do to identify with our culture, but there are things that God has forbidden us to do. And on the other hand, there are things that God has told us to do about our society that deep down in our hearts, we don't want to do. Is it surprising, therefore, that Christians very often will struggle in the areas of relating to society? Now, what can the Bible do to help us in this regard? Well, I think a number of things. First of all, it will point out to us the place of the Christian in society. The teaching of Christ was very straightforward on this matter. In John chapter 17, immediately prior to his return to heaven, the Lord Jesus said three things to his disciples. He said, number one, you're still in the world. Number two, you're not of the world. And number three, but I'm sending you into the world. I submit that a healthy understanding of the Christian's place in society requires a balanced understanding of those three dimensions. You see, sometimes Christians assume that because they're Christians in a secular world, they should withdraw from it. An extreme example of that would be monasticism, but perhaps not quite so extreme, but more contemporary illustration of that would be people who become Christians and then basically live the rest of their lives in an evangelical ghetto. All their friends are Christians They attend a Christian church, their social life is Christian, their children go to Christian schools, they go to Christian universities, everything is a Christian ghetto environment. Now this is not a criticism of any of those things, it is simply an observation that some people seem to overlook what it means to be still in the world. To know what it is to be living as part of society and not handling our Christianity on the basis of withdrawal. However... The other extreme is that some people are so into this society that in actual fact you can't tell any difference between them, the Christian, and the secularist. They are so absorbed by it, they've just become part of it, there is no differentiation between them. They do not understand that they're still in the world, but they are not of it. 
On the other hand, there are those who take a very passive view and they say, well, I am in the world, I don't withdraw, and I am not of it, I'm clearly different from them, but that's it. I take a purely passive view of it. That overlooks what Jesus said about being sent into the world. The task of the Christian is to move into the world and to have an impact there. Sent into the world in order that we might be what Jesus said in the famous Sermon on the Mount, salt of the earth, light in the world. Now that's the place of the Christian in society. This was illustrated very quickly by the early church. On the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached his first Christian sermon, you remember that the response was 3,000 people made a visible commitment to Jesus Christ. And they established a presence in the city of Jerusalem. Very quickly thereafter, this presence elicited a response from the people of Jerusalem. Acts 2.47 tells us that they enjoyed the favor of all the people. They were in it. They were not of it. They were clearly sent to it, and they were recognized as being something powerful and something winsome. It was not surprising, however, that they soon experienced a backlash, and they were exposed to all kinds of persecution. And so the picture of the place of the Christian in society is very straightforward. We are not to be isolated from it. We're not to be totally identified with it. We are to have an impact upon it. Maintain those three as Christ taught, as the early church practiced. However, we must recognize, for reasons we've already seen, and for other reasons, that it is not unusual for Christians to experience persecution in society. You remember that the founder and general director of Christianity was Jesus Christ. The Apostle Peter, writing to people having a hard time in the early days of Christianity, points this out to them and said, look, if you go through persecution, don't be surprised as if something strange is happening to you. Don't be surprised. Nothing strange about it. It happened to Jesus. Why wouldn't it happen to you? And the Lord Jesus made it very, very clear that if they treated him like that, there was no reason that Christians should expect to be immune from and exempt from the kind of tensions that we've already identified. And so the place of the Christian in society is clear, and the possibility of the persecution of the Christian in society has to be faced up to. Now, here's Stuart to answer a few questions about his message today. Stuart, all tolerance has its limits. So what are those limits? <laughs> okay, that's a very short question, but it's a biggie. Um, let me just spell out two things for you very, very quickly, if, if I may. First of all, uh, they, one, one of the uh, limits uh, the, the on tolerance that I, I would emphasize is, is this. We are not free not to be tolerant in a certain area. In other words, going going into an area uh, of intolerance uh, in some instances is not right. And I'll tell you one example. One example of that is... Um, Human beings are given the right by God to be wrong. Uh, human beings are given the right by God to be wrong. 
then who am I to suggest that somebody does not have the right to be wrong? In other words, I have to respect that human being even when that human being is wrong. Now, if I don't agree with him and I lose all respect for him, my intolerance is out of bounds. Go to the other extreme. We there, There's a limit to tolerance, and that is we are not free to tolerate that which God has condemned. And so there you have two very, very practical limits on tolerance. Stuart, how can Christians avoid living in our little Christian bubble when we are clearly called by God to step out of our safe place? Well, I'm sure the idea of a little Christian bubble uh, would be somewhat strange to some people uh, because they go to work every day and working in the workaday world today is not even close to being a little Christian bubble. Um, if that is the case, then that, that person is already outside a safe place. They are uh, in a situation where they are called to live wisely and well, uh, in a situation that may be apathetic to them or may be just downright antagonistic to them. If, on the other hand, uh, I, I am a Christian person who doesn't have to go out into the workaday world, uh, but can stay at home and look after my children and have lots and lots of friends who are all believers and staying at home and looking after their children. Well, that's a very nice situation. And they may be living in something akin to a Christian bubble. All they've got to do is look in their neighborhood for somebody who's in need and they can take an initiative and reach out to them in kindness and generosity and love. That'll get them out of the bubble. How are you to process the unnerving events happening all around you in today's world? Does the Bible offer you any hope, help, or guidance? The answer, of course, is yes. Discover how God's Spirit works in you to transform you and renew your thoughts no matter what's going on around you with Stuart Briscoe's powerful six-message series, Thinking Clearly in a Messed-Up World. Drawing from Romans 12, Stuart discusses how you can respond with wisdom and courage in today's most distressing circumstances. You'll discover how the Spirit of God is ever faithful, giving you the grace to think clearly in a messed up world. We'll send you this series as thanks for your gift of support to help more people experience life through the resources and teachings of telling the truth. Generous friends like you, keep broadcasts like today's going often reaching places where the gospel hasn't yet made inroads. So if you've never given before, please consider a gift today to help keep God's word going out around the world. And remember to request your copy of Thinking Clearly in a Messed Up World when you call and give. 1-800-889-5388. 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online when you visit tellingthetruth.org. We're so glad you joined us today. Come back again as the Briscoes share more powerful truth from God's Word. Listen in and experience life next time on Telling the Truth.